Well, good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. This morning is World Communion Sunday. World Communion Sunday. It's a day that the church Catholic, lowercase c, universal church that is, pauses to remember that it does not operate in a vacuum. Today, Christians of all types around the world of coming together, breaking bread at the table, where we cease talking about our differences from each other and we celebrate our common DNA and genealogical heritage through Jesus. World Communion Sunday. It's where the playing field is leveled. We are all saints and sinners in the need of God's grace. We meet each other at this common space called the Lord's table, the communion table. Communion, particularly worldwide communion with us, is, is, is all about relationship. Relationship with this church, with other churches in the community, with around the world. It's about relationships. God's relationship with us, our relationship with God, and our mutual relationship with each other. It's in our text. Those three relationships are highlighted as well. The relationship with God to us, us to God, and with each other. Now, as I stuck my hands in the mud of this text, I quickly discovered that Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 10, are not four different little snippets of wisdom to be taken on their own. I wrestled with it. They appear at first blush to be non-related stories, but upon closer inspection, you can see where they are interwoven with one another and describe these three relationships. God with us, us with God, one with each other. So although the lectionary asks us to begin at verse 5, it makes no sense to do that. And you'll see why. We're going to start with verse 1. It's not, it's not in the bulletin, so don't worry. Don't freak out, I know. We're starting with verse 1, and we'll read through verse 10. Listen to the word of the Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, wait a minute, before I do, I want us to remember something. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about hyperbole? Hyperbole, that rhetorical device that exaggerates things so much to make a point. The scripture we're about to hear is loaded with hyperbole, okay? So when you hear it, it's going to sound a little... Doggy head tilt, huh? But it's hyperbole, okay? All right, let's start again. Now Jesus said to his disciples, there will be occasions for stumbling, and they're bound to come. But woe to anyone by whom they come. 
It would be better for you if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender, and if there is repentance, you must forgive. And if that same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times a day and says, I repent, you must forgive. The apostles responded, Lord, increase our faith. In essence, how do we do this? The Lord replied, If you had the faith, the size of an itsy-bitsy mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree with its deep roots to pick itself up and be planted in the ocean. It would obey you. Jesus went on to say, Now, who among you would say to your slave who had just come in from plowing or tending the sheep, Come here at once and take your place at the table. Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat and drink, and later on you may drink and eat? Do you think the slave, do you thank the slave for doing what was, was commanded of them? So also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. Thanks be to God indeed. All right, so what I heard is don't be the source of someone's moral failure. Two, our well of forgiveness within our heart, soul, and mind of forgiving another person is bottomless. We have this bottomless well that's available to all of us for forgiving. Now, these two commandments, these two commands, when the disciples heard it, they, they threw up their hands. They said, Jesus, this is too much for us. Increase our faith. To which Jesus replies, for all practical purposes, you've got all the faith you need, guys. just got to obediently get about using it. You've got what you need. Use it. Our passage this morning is about God's relationship with us. Jesus is asking you and me to stop and understand that God is not asking us to do anything that God, God's self, has not already done for us. And what is that? Become a human being and actively forgive and bless us. God did it first. We are the recipients of that grace of God's initiation. God is the pursuer in this love relationship. So our relationship with God is God is running headlong to you and me and to this world. Our passage this morning is also about our relationship with God in that we are called to be obedient and live the life we are directed to live. 
Not because we'll get any spiritual perks. Not that we believe in the prosperity gospel where if we're really good and, and all that stuff and give a lot to the church, you know, God's going to bless me. It's not, it's not in the scriptures. God is just asking you and me to be obedient covenant people and do what we're supposed to do. Period. Love each other. Forgive each other. Pretty basic. Our passage this morning is also, however, about our relationship with each other. And how we are not to you, not to be one of those people perceived out in the world as those Christian hypocrites. You know, those people. Christian, roll my eyes. Friends, we are not to be stumbling blocks for Jesus. Jesus has been, as, been portrayed as this angry, spiteful, vengeful, throwing lightning bolts. If you better turn or you're going to burn. It's not that way at all, folks. We in the church are not to be perfect. We are simply to walk side by side and help each other not to stumble and fall on this rocky path we call life. These are relationships with people you like and you don't like. They are relationships um, with people you understand, people you just are clueless about. These are people that's, that are hard to tolerate. Just being around them kind of makes you squeal. You know, we all got them. We've all got them. But even then, our relationship with each other, God is saying, transcend that. Live obediently. Love and forgive each other. Period. It's, it's part of the deal. Now to all of this, the disciples being overwhelmed, yell up to God, increase our faith, Jesus. And Jesus replies, he says, put some convictions and live obedient lives to work. Listen to the voice of the Holy One. Put feet under your convictions. Put them to work. It's right here that we pause and, and we, we understand that faith is not when a person reaches a destination or climbs a certain step or comes to a certain pinnacle or has a mental, emotional, spiritual ascent, acknowledgement of something. We don't arrive at faith. Faith is a gift given by God. We arrive at faith, we discover that gift of faith by living obediently, doing what we're supposed to do. And it will be revealed to us. So faith, the size of a little mustard seed, is demonstrated when you and I Forgive those people in our lives who have caused us much hurt and pain. 
Yeah, those people. Forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. I cannot forgive the incidences of abuse I suffered as a, in my younger years, but I can unhook myself from them. The word Jesus uses for forgiveness in our text literally means to let go. To let go. It, it's, this, it's the notion of, notion of letting go and sending away even. That's what forgiving is. It's letting go, sending it away. And then ironically, the word that Jesus uses for forgiveness on our story today is the same word used for a couple divorcing one another. The pains of repeated insult and abuse a person may experience cannot be forgotten, but those scars become a part of who we are. But we can, however, choose to put those feelings of hate, animosity, and revenge down. Send them away. Divorce ourselves from them. And walk away. We can consciously let go of the avarice we feel and remove ourselves from the toxicity of unextended forgiveness. Faith, the size of a mustard feed, beloved, is committing daily to wake up and live a life God is expecting all of us to live as we build we build and work towards a loving relationship with neighbor. It's not a hint. It's not a suggestion. It's the story of the master and the slaves. It is re- just, it's accepted as course. Do it. Be obedient. Period. Faith the size of a mustard seed is when a person continues to press ahead in life even though he or she has done all the right things, life still hands them lemons. They do the right things. They live a good life. They pray. They go to church. They read the Bible. They try their best to follow the Lord. But life just doesn't seem to cut back their way. And they wonder, are my prayers going unanswered? Friends, faith is a noun. But putting faith to work means living out one's faithful belief. Believing is a verb. It's a word with feet on it. It moves. It's active. Faith is a noun. It is what it is, but it transforms into belief, which is a word that is active and moving. Oh, beloved. Flannery O'Connor, one of my favorite authors. Southern, uh, Southern girl who made it pretty big in writing. She wrote a short story called The Habit of Being. This is what she says. She says, what people don't realize is how much religion costs. They think faith is a big electric blanket, when of course, 
It's cross. It's much harder to believe, she says, than not to believe. If you feel you can't believe, you must at least do this. Keep an open mind. Keep it open toward faith. Keep wanting it. Keep asking for it. And leave the rest to God. Beloved, faith is a loving, generous gift that God gives to us. But hear this. God cannot use our gift for us. We have to exercise that faith. We have to put feet under that faith. Both as a community called church, community of church within Fort Lauderdale and beyond, but also individually. Individually together with each other. You know, there's some actions in life that we simply have to do ourselves. No one else can do it but you, but me. And that's opening the gift that God has given. Putting feet on it. But how, we say. Jesus, how do we do that? Like the disciples asking, increase our faith. Jesus, how do I... How do I keep going when I feel you're not listening? How do I keep going when it's so hard? And Jesus replies this. Take. Eat. This is my body, which has been broken and shared for you. He says, take and drink of the cup. This, he says, is the cup of the new covenant, the new promise between God and all humanity. And we're reminded that as often as we eat of this bread and drink from the cup, we proclaim the Lord's forgiveness and his life everlasting and a promise for you and me forever. My friends, this table is the nourishment for the long journey ahead called life. It's where we discover faith by simply living out the life we are called to live right where we are. It gives us what we need. And on this Worldwide Communion Sunday, I'll remind you, this is not a Presbyterian table. This is the Lord's table. So any and all who want to be nourished by the hand of the Christ, to put feet on your, feet on your faith, come. Come, let's eat. Pray with me. Almighty God, who is, who was, and is to come, we come this day and... Uh, Jesus, these are rear, just kind of disparate stories and just help us to weave them together. Don't let us cause people to stumble. 
Lord, help us to forgive those jerks in our lives that we have to keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. It's hard. But Lord, remind us that we grow this little mustard seed faith when we do that. And every time we help someone to walk the path, every time that we forgive one who repents, who has harmed us or hurt us, we are adding water to those seeds called faith. Bathe us in your grace. For we ask this in your precious name. And all the God's people say it.